1: Okay, a couple housekeeping notes as we record here late Wednesday afternoon. As promised, Ringers Danny Kelly is in the house. But number one, Mike Rabel, most recently famous for being the head coach of the Tennessee Titans, saying he would cut his dick off for a Super Bowl, is now going into the Patriots Hall of Fame elected over Logan Mankins and Bill Parcells. Congratulations to him. Uh, I would probably cut my dick off if he heard that. Congratulations. He doesn't listen to this podcast, but he'll be speaking to the media on Thursday when this will drop. We'll get to speak with him, hear from him about what it means. Eight years in New England, three Super Bowl titles and a Pro Bowl. Uh, certainly a fan favorite, long-awaited red jacket. Number two this week, we heard from Albert Breer Sports Illustrated, City Sow, whose name is going to screw me up until he is going into the Patriots Hall of Fame, either spelling or pronouncing it. They're gonna try him at tackle, fourth round kid. I mentioned on the last episode, I'm not entirely. High on this idea, I think you might as well try them, but considering City last started at left tackle in 2018, when I had a head full of hair and was partly covering college football and not all of the Avengers movies were out yet, let's just see how that goes before, we're, you know, celebrating new franchise left tackle, City Sal. Uh, last one, this episode of the Pats Interference Podcast brought to you by Fanduel, the exclusive wagering partner at the CLNS Media Network. And without further ado, the aforementioned Danny Kelly, who is a friend of the podcast, friend of mine. Always great to see him and talk draft. I asked him off the air if he's ready, uh, you know, to come out of hibernation the last few days. (laughs) You have been working since the draft. You were going into (laughs) hibernation now?
0: Yeah, I'm going to be starting my hibernation soon here, but we did a bunch of fantasy stuff. So we're switching immediately to the fantasy uh, football guide that we have up at the ringer. So we got our full 200... uh, player rankings up there right now. And I'm doing a bunch of dynasty rookie ranks. So for all you dynasty freaks out there uh, doing rookie drafts like me, uh, look for my rankings next week. So yeah, that's, that's fun stuff. And then after that, I'm out.
1: The Patriots notably did not take an offensive player until day three. Uh, Keishon <laughs> Booty, who you were going to fill us in on here. I know has a lot of people excited. Is he yeah. anywhere close in those dynasty rankings? Uh,
0: I would say he's like a good third, fourth round flyer at this point in terms of your rookie draft um i would not spend something more than that just because basically he's a six-round pick and you know the hit rate on those guys is historically very very low but to me he is a perfect six-round pick i mean he is exactly what you want in a first uh, in a six-round pick um in fact a lot of people coming into the season coming into the 2022 college season he was their number one ranked receiver he was a guy that a lot of people thought might be a first-round pick there was a lot of hype around him um you know, going back to his freshman and sophomore seasons at LSU, he'd put up a lot of numbers. He would he'd led their team in receiving. Um, big play guy. He had a track background. You could see that come into play after the catch. He was a good, um, you know, run after the catch guy. He's playing all over the field, making a lot of touchdowns and making a lot of big plays. And then everything fell apart in 2022. Um I almost Which stopped happens? you there,
1: because this is gas <laughs> on the fire that I need to put out first, because it's already blazing across New England, this excitement for Keishon Booty, who notably fell to the sixth round because yeah. of character concerns, effort, things. And again, like City Sal, uh his best football or at a different position was in 2020. So for all of us getting excited about things that happened mm-hmm. three, four or five years ago, hey, get excited. It's the draft. Yeah. It's why we have this event uh but b i want to see it first if i was doing a 53 man projection i would not have him on there i don't think that's unfair um but since you dropped all that and you are the expert here which is why you're on the podcast uh i am in a losing position and backed in a corner so let's get me (laughs) out of this let's let's have some punter talk because danny is on here today uh to take a deep dive into what the rookies roles could be for the patriots in year one i ran down every single pick and assigned a grade in the last episode when this episode drops, I will have a and a with Jim Nagy, who went deep on basically every prospect except for Christian Gonzalez and Kayshawn Booty because they were two juniors. So if you want to find out more, go read that. In the meantime, the obvious place, Bryce Behringer, Michigan State, six-round punter, and I promise we will work our way to Christian Gonzalez. But yeah, it was funny when you and I spoke a couple of days ago, you mentioned like, oh, yeah, I'll talk about the top three guys, not a problem. By the way, Bryce Behringer <laughs> was the talk – of the senior bowl out of mobile. And I heard the same thing from Jim Nagy two days ago when he and I spoke for about 45 minutes. So how the hell Danny Kelly is a punter. The talk of the senior bowl. (laughs) Uh,
0: Yeah, that's a good question. So first of all, I will say I don't spend very much time scouting specialists when I'm doing my draft guide for the ringer. It's just not really part of my purview in that. Um, And so I didn't go to the senior bowl expecting to really be watching the punting, but Beringer, Every time he kicked the ball, everyone would sit up and be like, holy crap. Look at the look at the hang time on this thing. It was like it became sort of like a bit and a joke amongst people kind of sitting in the stands and watching the practices. But I mean, the guy literally has it's a a howitzer leg like he was booming punts, coffin corners, really good hang time um, to the point where people were really, you know, noticing it. And that's, I'd say that's a high bar. It's clear because I don't really pay attention to the kickers and punters when I'm there. I'm typically watching receivers, skill players, uh, defensive offensive linemen, things like that. And so, um, yeah, I mean, he, to me really stood out and there was, it was like this immediate thing where he was like, we were like, this guy's definitely getting drafted. He has a cannon for a leg. Um, and you know, obviously, uh, You know better than I, but like Bill Belichick loves him some special teams, loves him guys that can um, come in and do special things in special teams. And so uh, he is actually a pretty interesting pick, honestly.
1: He, uh, among the many things I'll remember for my first season covering the team, 2018 Super Bowl year, tons of memories, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, was Belichick describing Rams punter Johnny Hecker as, quote, a weapon ahead of the Super Bowl. And this was not your perfunctory Belichick praise for the opposing players of the opposing teams before they play each other. Like he actually believed that with every five of being, and seems to think that Bryce Maringer is at least has the potential to be close to that. And I ran on the stats last time. It's worth repeating big 10 punter of the year, the biggest award in that conference, uh, 49 yards per punt on average. And, you know, 46 for his career, 22 of 50 punts inside the opponent's 20, which doesn't seem to be a problem, whether he's at midfield or his own 20 yard line, can you just take us inside that scene, though, at the Senior Bowl? Because we all hear yeah. about, you know, tons of media scouts like yourself. And you're obviously in the top tier, top tier of the draft analyst. But, you know, everyone has the winners and losers from the Senior Bowl. You're on these, what I would assume to be bleachers in the stands mm-hmm. in Alabama. Sometimes it's freezing. Sometimes it's too warm. They're warming up. You're taking notes and watching practice. And then at night, do the guys go to the same couple bars like we have at Indy when we go to the Combine, but like in a more yeah. rural Alabama sense? Like, take us through that process <laughs> just real quickly.
0: Yeah, so I would say if the bar in Indy that everyone goes to is High Velocity or mm-hmm. Prime 47, uh, Vitz is the one at the Senior Bowl that everybody goes to, generally speaking. There's a couple different bars uh, in downtown Mobile that people go to, but Vitz is sort of this dive bar with really loud music. It's it's uh, not as fancy as High Velocity, I'll put it that way. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it is funny. It's That's where everybody kind of gathers at night, and then I've, you get to catch up with... Whether it's uh you know media guys that you haven't seen in a long time because these these media events are like you get to see the people they haven't seen really all year so it's a fun time to catch up with everybody but also you know compare notes on players compare notes on things that you're hearing for, about different teams it's a really good way to gather information for mock drafts and things of that nature obviously and and try to piece together what's going to happen in the draft um, so yeah I mean it, it's a it's a very beneficial um, event to go to from that point of view getting intel and then if you're lucky you kind of run into you know a random coach here or there that'll wander in um i want to say well i shouldn't name names but th- there's there's definitely guys there that kind of coming like nfl Give us guys a division that
1: what's that Give us a division
0: uh nfc south okay Ooh. GM uh wandered into Vitz. i remember one night this last this last year so um that that of course is immediately people just like congregate around that guy like almost immediately trying to get yeah. Facetime and um but yeah, it's a lot of fun, and, and that's a good way to kind of get, um, you know, meet people in, in the league and, and get to know them in a little bit. And you can do that at practices, too. But practices are, you, you mentioned it, like, so unpredictable in terms of the weather. It, I would not have expected this because I, I remember uh, my colleague, Danny Heifetz, went for the first time this year, and I was telling him how cold it can get. And then the first day, it was like 80 degrees, and everybody got really sunburned. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know. You never know what to expect.
1: But it's a big week. I mean, the Senior Bowl has only grown in profile. It's on the NFL network. The practices are more important than the games. And how many times, you know, I know I've written, heard, and said myself that the Senior Bowl is, you know, basically a training ground for future Patriots. And you look at all the players they drafted. Behringer, Chad Ryland was there, Keon White. It's just a hotbed for prospects. So it's a really important week and nice that you take us behind the scenes. Not to mention, and I don't say this just because you're coming on the podcast, but you've built up your own reputation as an elite draft analyst. And you're someone who... Does what other people give lip service to, which is get better every single year. And I'm not talking just about the player comps, which remain my favorite part, like the king <laughs> of player comps. And you've heard this. I'm surprised you're laughing because I'm the 10 millionth person to say it. But there's just incredible detail and care. So your guy gets bigger and Thank bigger you. and bigger. If people haven't read it, go visit it now because again, you can find a number of Patriots. Um, let's just do K Sean Booties. We were kind of from the, the yeah. second down yeah. to the first year. I don't believe he was in the draft guide, correct?
0: Uh, he was. He was my he was okay. Well, you're not, you might not want to hear this, but I think he was like my 99th player. Um Okay. Yeah, my 99th player. Basically stuck him in there because I do think he has a high upside and I wanted to write him up because I think he's one of the more interesting players in this draft. Frankly, like he coming again, coming into the year, a lot of people thought he'd be a first round pick. And then um you know, they co- they changed the coaching staff at LSU, he had an injury, which really affected him throughout the season. Um, you could tell just on tape that he wasn't nearly as explosive as he was the year before. And as a freshman, I mean, again, this is a guy with a track background, like he's super explosive after the catch. And this year you just didn't see that explosiveness, that, that Twitch that you normally see. So there's um, not only sort of some of the issues that he was having, like with the coaching staff and off, off the field style things, you know, that he was dealing with a pretty major injury here. And so, that showed up at the combine. He didn't test very well. He tested very poorly, in fact. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, you know, so there's a lot going on here. You know, like you said, odds are he's probably not going to make the team. Odds are he's probably not going to do anything. But if for a six-round pick, especially when you're uh, taking 12 guys in this draft, right? You guys have, I think it was a 12-man class. Yes. Um, to me, this is, six-round, like, that's nothing. Go for it. Try it. See what happens. And maybe he can um, take to the coaching here. Maybe he really is a good fit. And then you have what could be like a huge steal in the sixth round. And so um, to me, this is a low, low risk, high, re- high possible reward type of move. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that I think has a ton of talent, has a ton of natural talent. He's still young, um, but he just kind of needs to put it all together and get back to where he was early in his career. And, and maybe he can do that.
1: So the worst case is he shows up and all of the, you know, poor effort, uh, non-invested in the weight room, you know, which I think. When you look at the testing numbers, and I mentioned this in my last episode, the injury certainly seemed to have affected that. He mentioned he was coming off a broken ankle, but also just said, Hey, that's right. how I tested. Like he he didn't make any excuses and say that's what led to the four, five, three. I think it was the combine uh three cone that was well above seven seconds. And so part of that might have been the work he put in. Worst case, he's just gone. For New England, he's Jeff yep. Thomas from Miami from a year or two ago. Got a lot of hype, undrafted guy at the receiver. Oh, he's so right. talented, there's a need. And he's just another six-round pick who gets cut best case scenario let me throw a grenade into this fire that you have (laughs) thrown and thrown behind me and let me run away because again i'm not i'm not high on him yet i want to see it first i think that's fair but let's say he gets his act together let's say brian kelly who told todd mcshay he came around towards the end of last year and he's healthy and he's in the weight training program and there's not a whole lot of competition let's be honest of just elite blue chip talent ahead of him his rookie year what what's his role what's his ceiling you think
0: Good question. I think he's probably like a rotational guy, wide receiver four, maybe um, get him in there. He's he's probably best in the slot. I think that was kind of what scouts were saying throughout this process this year. But he has played all over the field. He's played all over the formation. He's played outside, but he he sort of he's almost a little bit like an explosive version of Juju Smith Schuster in terms of he's probably just best fitting in the slot, run after the catch, make guys miss and. Um, I thought he's pretty good at tracking the ball down the field. He made some pretty spectacular uh, catches near the sideline with guys draped on him in coverage. So he can get deep, but it is really his game is more in the short and intermediate area. Make a guy miss, explosive after the catch. Um that kind of thing. And so I I do think that there's ways you can just get him the ball and let him do some things. I don't know I don't know if he's necessarily going to be, you know, in year 1 a starter, but you know, obviously that's like the best case scenario, but I think more realistically if he does make the team get him in there get him some reps, get him, you know, some opportunities to run after the catch and, and kind of work from there.
1: Now the old Miss tape is the college tape that if I'm wrong and again, just someone I want to see it first and see what he looks like in the field and be in a professional environment that everyone will throw in my face because supposedly scouts are still talking about this 308 yard performance back in 2020 <laughs> when he was a freshman, right. still standing as the SEC record. When you watch that tape, how, how would you describe watching that tape?
0: I mean, yeah, he looked like he's going to be a future superstar, and and LSU has had you know a line of guys. Obviously, Justin Jefferson's the best case um, of guys that come in and just like larger than life personalities, larger than life on the field, um, just make guys look stupid. Um, but yeah, like you said, that's 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 the type of game. As a true freshman, as an eighteen-year-old, you're watching that and you're like, this guy can do anything. He's he's like mossing guys. He's running past him. He's breaking tackles, just making it look easy. And yeah, you alluded to it earlier, but if you look at his numbers over the last six, seven, eight games of the season, they're pretty solid. He he definitely was improving. He's starting to look a little bit more like himself. And so, you know, there is a little bit of hope. That's again, why I put him in my top 100. I don't think I didn't really expect him to get taken in the top 100, but I just think the upside to get back to what he was looking like as a as a true freshman, as a sophomore is certainly there. And he's worth betting on that late. That's this is just a, such an easy bet for me.
1: Yeah. I like it. All right, let's move on. Uh, Marte Mapu, another senior bowl participant, practiced for d- two days, got hurt at the end of that second day, goes in the third round, 76 overall. I described him in my last episode as that small dog that's barking, thinking he's a German Shepherd, except for Marte <laughs> Mapu is actually that German Shepherd. 6'3", 221 pounds. I asked Bill Belichick after the draft what I think are the two most pertinent questions about the selection. What is his role? And yeah. I got, well, we'll see. I don't really know. And two, can he... <laughs> That was a bad bill. Uh, Can you can he add weight onto his frame? Because I think that's really important for a player who looks like he has a future at the second level. And I asked Jim Nagy again a couple of days ago about that same issue. He says, look, if he came to the senior bowl at 221, I think he can get to 228. It's exactly where Kyle Duggar is a little more fluid of an athlete. But Mapu just hits with such violence, like outsized Mm -hmm. violence for his frame. So he's he's a piece that again the worst case scenario is a project better player better in theory um, than in reality that they don't have a home for best case scenario his role as a rookie might take over that dime linebacker spot and then rotates in with the safeties if you have a surprise trade or cut candidate where again you've got four veterans there Duggar, phillips peppers mills possibly what do you see as far as his fit like we know what the player is he's very exciting he's got great tape small school all that but At the end of training camp, where where do you see him standing and fitting in the depth chart?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it with just the dime linebacker slash hybrid safety type of player a guy who's going to come in, he can he can line up off the ball in the second level. Um, You know, he did a lot of things where he's like sort of an overhang player slash uh, slot um, guarding guys in the slot. He, like you said, he flies around, he hits hard, he's a tone setting type of player. I think that's why he got drafted where he got drafted is because of the energy with, with which he plays the versatility that he brings to kind of do a lot of different things, you know? And so um, he's always ripping and trying to strip the ball, you know, that kind of thing. I think that gives him the ability to kind of like do a lot of different things. I think he could line up and match up with uh, tight ends. Um, And so, yeah, I think it's just the versatility, the kind of do it all thing. I I don't know exactly the role in, in the Patriots defense that he's that best suited for, but I would say, He's more of a safety than a linebacker, truly, um, just because of his size. Um, but you can kind of line him up all over the formation, let him um range around, let his instincts take over, that type of thing. Cause he was, he was, you know, you could it was sometimes honestly kind of hard to find him in the defense because he would line up a whole <laughs> different um like places every time. So yeah, he's just one of those type of the players that I think could be just a hybrid, sort of positionless player in the in the back seven.
1: And if there's a defense where they value that more than any other defense league, I think it's the Patriots. I mean, they're playing yeah. more dime than anybody else. They're playing with three safeties as their base, one always close to the line of scrimmage. And I bring up Duggar because there's been a lot of discussion in Patriot circles and Twitter radio about a lot of these picks seem to line up with players from the 2020 class who could be on their way out, a class led by Kyle Duggar. That makes sense. Could be yep. headed into a Pro Bowl year. Now, I don't think that projection is is as seamless because Duggar's much better in coverage. He's learned a lot better about how to cover tight ends. Mapu just might not have that speed. He didn't get to test because he he tore his pec. Right. Um, but he's at least in the mix. And I like fitting him in as a safety there. Again, I just, you, you want to see it on the field. The good thing is he's given interviews and his film speaks to this where he's like, I live in the film room. I know what everyone in the defense is doing and that's the way they teach the defense in new England it's a very conceptual process of like oh, this is cover yeah. one it's not you're outside you have the x follow him wherever he goes it's like this is where your help is your leverage the checks this is what the safety is doing even down to the defense alignment so he fits from a mentality standpoint again that's why mm. I said and reported that's
0: interesting that yeah. he's
1: Bill Belichick's guy I mean well have you heard that elsewhere like that you meant you said it's interesting you're covering the whole league
0: I mean, honestly, like, I don't know how, how different teams coach it, but I think that's probably less common than, than for like most teams. It's like, most teams are just like, you know, here's your responsibility. Here's, you know, what you got to do on the field, not, not going in and trying to like learn what multiple positions are looking at in any given play or like knowing, like you said, just how to play a different position. If you are, if you're called to do that at, at at any given time. So I think, you know, that's, that's always been like a hallmark of, of Belichick is like teaching, and, and being a teacher and, and all that. But I think, yeah, I don't know if that's super common. I haven't heard, heard that all the uh, time.
1: One other hallmark of Belichick defenses. I wrote about this, when I got to shadow uh, or, or crashed a coaching clinic that he spoke at a couple of weeks ago is there's still an element of, just, we want to knock the shit out of you. Okay. We're coming yeah. to take your head off. And you see that in Marte Mapu's game. And I'll close with this before we go on to the top two prospects, Keon White and Christian Gonzalez, Jim Nagy related a story to me, standing on the sideline, senior bowl practice, He's right there with Marte, uh, Mapu in front of him. Mike Tomlin mm-hmm. is standing next to him. It's a nine-on-seven drill. And there's a fullback on the offensive side. It's a run. Mapu comes up and, quote, just buckles the dude behind the line of scrimmage, like sends him <laughs> backward flying. The clip is on yeah. Jim Nagy's Twitter if you want to go find this. And Mike Tomlin, with his patented wide eyes, supposedly just stares at Jim and goes, this guy's making himself some money this week. <laughs> so, like, there I will be that. moments in training camp, if you go down to Foxborough this summer and you're listening to this, just look for it. He'll have some horrendous number. I think it's supposed to be 52. Yeah, actually not so bad for <laughs> linebackers safety. But yeah. yeah, you know what I'm talking about with Bill's I think rookie. I saw,
0: yeah, I think I saw Bo- Booty or whatever had a number in the 50s too. I was like, oh my God, I forgot about the rookie rule with the Patriots. But yeah, yeah
1: basically they go. And I, I tried to send this tweet out a couple of days ago. And it's just such a useless niche tweet that I, and I screwed it up, including numbers that they have retired, that it wasn't worth it on the front end. <laughs> but the premise is this, Bill says you need to earn your numbers. It mm-hmm. starts at 50 for the first pick that they take. And it goes all the way back to the undrafted rookie. So it'll be 50, skip 56 and 57, which are retired, mm. and go to like 64. But yeah, seeing um, Marcus Jones, all of 5'8", draped in this 52 jersey that's really wearing so him weird. last year yeah, <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. So anyway, um, that will be Marte Mapu experience. The new 52, most likely, at Patriots training camp. The guy can hit. He's got those instincts. I think that'll carry you in the Bill Belichick defense. It's just for me, yeah. given the size concerns, maybe what's the long-term ceiling for a player like him. But... Um long term again, given Duggar's contract situation, how old Adrian Phillips is, there might be a role. Okay. I uh
0: I'm I'm reminded of a quote I heard. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah either went to one of the coaching clinics or somehow was working with Bill Belichick at some point in his career early on. And he took note he was taking notes and he, he was relaying these notes that he took from this coaching clinic. I think I think it was, and um, he quoted Belichick of saying, and this is probably not verbatim, but something along the lines of you can dominate the game from the safety position. And I, that always stuck with me. And like, when you're talking about buck, him buckling the guy in the backfield, I I think of like guy like cam chancellor or, you know, like a Troy Polamalu, you know, any of the, the greats that just brought like such a physical presence there's like an intimidation factor that you can't really get um, with everybody. And so, yeah, that just really stood out to me. Like you can dominate the game from the safety position. It just, I, if when Bill Belichick says something like that, it kind of like, sticks with you. And even though the position itself is sort of devalued um salary wise in the NFL, but um I, I do think that there's something there where you know get a guy who can do a little bit of everything in coverage and in against the run and, and that can be like a huge advantage, a huge edge for you.
1: Yeah. I mean they certainly think so because again I started covering the team in 2018 and they have been top five or maybe top seven in safety spending. Yeah. Positional spending at the safety position every single year and partly that's have you got a guy like Devin McCordy, who's you know top yeah. 10 top 12 safety all of those different years maybe just more of a free safety but solid player you're going to pay though he probably took a pay cut down the stretch and so they're still investing in that position from a draft standpoint obviously yep. with Mapu go back to Duggar um you know all these different players and from a salary one so there's there's a lot of value in there yeah uh question for you personally uh do you believe in emotionally hedging Danny Kelly yes of okay course. excellent well this ad read <laughs> is for you Onward to Keon White, Georgia yeah. Tech, 46 overall pick. He was a player that I mentioned again in the last episode it was top 10 for Daniel Jeremiah. Where was he on your board? Uh Daniel Jeremiah's first board, I should say. How, how did right. he evolve from your first your first big board to your last?
0: Uh he was always I, I would view him as a sort of end of first rounder. Right? I had him at my 29th overall player. And so okay. um I kind of see him as big, long, super athletic but A little bit raw, um, you know, a little bit he, he needs to develop a little bit, but he's also a little older, he's 24 years old. He spent six years, I believe, in, in college, and so, um, there's a few things that you can ding about his like profile as a prospect. But at the end of the day, he's 6'5, 285 pounds, really long arms, really explosive, really twitchy, pretty uh flexible as a rusher, and also versatile Ab- ability to kind of run, um, you know, pass rush from the outside, go back in on the inside. You know, plays a pretty good leverage he has I thought his his hump move and like a spin move he, he has a couple burgeoning moves that I thought he could be really effective with at the next level um but yeah obviously I think Daniel Jeremiah admitted it he kind of like jumped the gun a little and then you know he saw Keanu White play at the senior bowl it wasn't quite as dominant as he was hoping and he, he eventually moved him down a little bit which I think is fine I think that's something that happens kind of as you go through the process and so um But yeah, I mean, I always viewed him as sort of like an end of first round, early second round type player. And so, you know, I thought getting him, what was it, 46? I thought that was a good value. Yeah.
1: Yeah, And they supposedly had a first round grade on him in this small group of players that when they traded back from 14 to 17th overall, where they got Christian Gonzalez, who was at the top of that group, obviously. Um, And then they made some calls to the back end of the first round, seemingly about Keon Mm. White, who I checked in with somebody else outside the team who works for another organization who said they were turned off and this is something that's been reported also by mike reese by his interview process like the guy that you saw on television with this very Belichick and straightforward right unemotional stare is who the guy is everywhere he goes and for some teams it's going to turn you off not willing to connect or sell himself on that which all the patriots obviously is his size he is a jumbo right. edge player and honestly that business approach fits with them now i've to yep. other players in this class like city south Uh, in a mere speed for what you just said they're either 23 or 24 they played six years in college the production wasn't all that great how much more development can there really be the difference is his first year at old dominion playing defensive line after being a tight end caught Mm -hmm. the attention of folks like jim nagy on tape and so i think what you're kind of speaking to here those burgeoning moves like he doesn't have a plan totally when he pass rushes but because he's a freak athlete he can get away with it and once you give him a plan it's not sky's the limit but like that's a reliable down to down player with a ton of tools in his toolbox
0: yeah i think and that's the, that's a great point the 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 difference between if he had been a defensive end his whole life and he just never figured it out never developed any plan never developed any moves that'd be like a bigger red flag to me but the fact that he he literally played whole, a, a, i believe he played his first year at tight end and then as a sophomore he switched to defensive end um, and he's, and he kind of moved around the line. He's still developing, still trying to figure that out. Obviously it's a different mentality when you're on defense and then you're on offense. Um, and so, you know, I think, yeah, there's still uh, some room for improvement. You never want to draft a guy who's already hit his ceiling in, in college. And I don't think that's the case with Keon White. I think he's still got room to improve, even though he is an older prospect. And so, um, that's, you know, some people may see that as an excuse. I think that's more of like a reason why it, it took him a little longer To develop, And so, um, you know, he's really strong, really twitchy, really athletic, really versatile, like everything you look for in a defensive lineman, especially the Patriots, it seems like this is kind of a guy that just perfectly fits their style and philosophy on defense. And um, I thought that, yeah, I was actually going to ask you a little bit about the the reaction when he was drafted, because I was like, (laughs) I think some people could, I I personally viewed it as like, oh, that's a chip on the shoulder. Like he's pissed. He fell this far. But I, of course, don't have all the context. So I thought that it was very interesting hearing you say that, like, that's kind of how he is just as a person. He's just like super serious and and, uh, businesslike or whatever you want to say. Uh, I thought that was very fascinating just watching him. He didn't even react. He's like Bill Belichick winning the Super Bowl. He just stood there like, OK, what's next?
1: Yeah, he was in a Belichick lab some far off way or actually just down in Atlanta at Georgia Tech being built. And this is what this is what got spit out. Um, and it was funny, too, because listening to him in the conference call where we speak with all these kids about 30 to 45 minutes after they get drafted, ask a question like he was very open. You could hear the expression in his voice, but it wasn't some sort of, you know, spite or vengeance for getting drafted 46 when he was billed as a first round pick in most places like late first round pick like you had him and was also invited to the draft. And there were multiple questions about like that's another hey, thing. Congrats yeah. on your best moment of your life. um How was yesterday? One of the worst. And right. His answer exactly. was like, "I'll never get that experience again." That was fine. I'm glad I got to go. Yeah, I had to fly home today, but I got drafted. And so, from I'm what sure I he- heard about him not being so expressive, and what we saw, it strangely didn't line up over that call. But I think ultimately, hmm. when he gets to New England, along with other a lot of other rookies who were just kind of told to shut up and play, specific to the media, she get. It's their, it's their media policy. He'll fit in fine. Um, Yeah. On the field, like you mentioned, very versatile um, as far as playing spots along the defensive line really appeals to the Patriots. I saw him running, you know, with running backs on wheel routes and staying step to step, which is really encouraging. I look at his rookie year, though. It's probably a rotational interior rusher, a guy Mm -hmm. who's not going to supplant Matt Judon, obviously, or Dietrich Wise, who's a little bit longer, less powerful version maybe of white. I don't know how you see that comp.
0: Yeah. But yep. a
1: guy who, again, in a year or two could certainly supplant one of them as an edge starter because he's got a very well-rounded game.
0: Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. You know, um, again, it it is sort of a weird contradiction that he's older and he needs development, but he does need development, I think. And and that's probably why he ended up being the 46 overall pick. But um, he landed in I what I think is like a great spot for him to do that. You know, they're not probably going to need him to rush in and be like this huge impact player in year one. He can kind of learn the chops and, and you know, learn what they're asking of him, like the quote unquote, do your job whole thing. Um, And so this makes a lot of sense to me. I was sitting actually by Bill Simmons when when he got picked and I was like, yeah, you're going to like this guy. I think, I I think he's really good. He's like really athletic, uh, needs to develop a little bit, but yeah. And and they didn't know what to make of the whole like straight face (laughs) reaction. But, um, but yeah, it it was uh, to me, he's, he's a great pick right there. And and obviously I had him as a value at that spot. So um, exciting for him. And yeah, I, I, I'm excited to see what he does there.
1: Me too. And th- just to go back to the age thing, because again, I- I've said that I've gone back and forth with there are a lot of older players in this class. I think this is still partly a function of just COVID. Everyone yeah. had to freeze. We all waited for a year and then we're just suddenly a year older when we go back to real life. That's still true of these prospects. And I think you've even seen it from guys who were rookies in 2020, didn't get the full rookie year experience. Dugger, Uche, this delayed, you know, post-hype breakout for players like this. Yeah. Same so thing in college, like he's 24. The difference is, if you like the player, you call him mature. Okay, this is like the cozy versus cramped description of an apartment. If you don't like him, he's just old. That man useless. He's past <laughs> his prime. You can't develop. Right. My thing is, it's not so much the overall age; it's how many years you spend in your position. That's where I see like Amir Speed, six years, and he had six or five pass breakups in Michigan State, solid school. But six for your career in six years is not going to be a lot of hope for you to play uh, right. long term in the NFL. Anything on that strike you as far as Keon White goes, or, or what else his role could be besides kind of a rotational pass rusher in year one?
0: No, I, yeah, I think that that kind of that nails it. I mean, I'm curious. I was going to ask you what do you know what weight they want him to play at? Like, has, did they mention anything? Because I think he's kind of gone up and down in weight during his college career, and so I'll be curious too to see whether they ask him to kind of bulk up to like a two ninety or go down to like a two sixty five two seventy to get like more on the edge. Uh, I'll I'll be curious about that too.
1: There edge rushers the last 10 years um that they've drafted have averaged about 6364 and 264 pounds I think it's 264.2 so he's he's way above that like he is a jumbo outside linebacker but I think as long as he can play at that weight like that's part of the the other part of the Keon White pick is that he fits in this new mold of they're picking athletes like they're after traits now it's not just your instincts and your IQ and how hard you work and you make up for your lack of athleticism because you'll diagnose plays a little bit more quickly. No, Christian Gonzalez, Keon White, Marte Mapu, athlete, athlete, athlete. So if he can function and, and run at that you know size, that's that's fine. I, if I had to pick between the two, add a little bit more weight or lose some because this dude is rocked up. Yeah. Um, I would say probably lose a little bit. But <laughs> yeah, again, I would agree. They've had Dietrich Wise drop into space for <laughs> better or worse, and he's a little bit more awkward, like long limbed kind of guy and white can white ran a four six four seven i think it was so at 285 that's that's great but i if i had to pick between the two given their averages uh and he's just six five it's not like you know he's a couple inches taller right, and that's where the right. weight is going you know it's, it's just one more than the average edge guy
0: yeah i agree
1: all right let's get to the uh the diamond the crown jewel of the class <laughs> christian gonzalez Top 10 on your board, a lot of other places, a guy who slipped, i mentioned, you know, concerns maybe about ball skills or tackling. In my opinion, he solved those four interceptions as a junior, only three missed tackles, according to PFF. If you want to critique anything, and this is something that's come out lately. So, so tape against Georgia. If you can find a defensive player at great tape against Georgia, like congrats to you Um, this past year, two time national champions for a reason. That game was also the first of the season in a new defense with new teammates. The athletic traits are there. Another guy who can make up for his mistakes, unlike other players in this roster, just because he runs faster and he's ha- quicker and all these different skills. So, if they can coach, they should be able to coach up Christian Gonzalez. I don't think he'll start Week One. If I had to bet right now on May third, mm. but I think by the end of the season, yes, he's a starter because that's the kind of talent he is, and that's the kind of the need they have at the position. Not only just from you know the players at cornerback and the talent, but just the size.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's he's such an interesting guy. He was, I, I believe, he ended up as my corner one. I mean, he's just so well rounded. He's got good size, good length, um, it, insane athleticism. Obviously, super twitchy, super athletic. He ran. I want to say they clocked him at like twenty three miles an hour um, on the GPS, which is unheard of. That's like insanely fast. And That's so- Michael
1: Scott going. <laughs> <laughs> With the car behind him and counting 31 is his actual time. But that's right. Christian Gonzalez in real life. Yeah, so
0: he, to me, when I watched him, the thing that struck me and stuck out to me was that he's just so calm and poised in coverage. He like never panics. He's always um, kind of like waiting for the opponent, opposing receiver to like make his move. He doesn't, he doesn't like open the hips or whatever too early um and so he just always is a right in position he's always in the hip pocket of the the receiver um I thought he could play off and in in man coverage pretty well like he has the versatility to do um different types of things in terms of coverage um yeah I just like the the one I don't remember exactly the play um I don't remember who they were playing but I have one play stuck in my head where he just like gets he just gets himself in the hip pocket of the receiver and just absolutely dominates the rep from start to finish. Like he runs the route for the receiver and then he broke, it broke up the pass. And I just think of that when I think of Christian Gonzalez, because he's just so calm collected and obviously trusts his speed. He trusts his makeup ability in terms of if he, if he like missteps one time, he has the speed and, and twitchiness to like catch up to the receiver and not let him get too far away, not give up a cushion. Um, and then, you know, he's just got good instincts and in coverage, good instincts and in zone. So I think he can do it all. I, I, he's just a really well-rounded corner.
1: Yeah, I, it's it's hard to find flaws in the ointment, you know, or flies in the ointment, flaws in his game, <laughs> right, like all of right. that. It's just, it, you know, again, people harping on the physicality. If you can get a guy to the ground, that's that's what I care about, how hard he goes. Like all the things you love about Marte Mapu is great, especially considering he's undersized not needed at the position that Christian Gonzalez right. played. He doesn't need to be able to flex between the outside and the slot, though he has covered a little bit in the slot or bounce back to safety. He can be so elite at what his job is, his position, that it can keep him on the outside. And there might become a day where he's shadowing number one wide receivers. Again, I don't think that's going to happen as a rookie, not with Stefan Diggs, Tyree Kill, and Garrett Wilson, all in the division. But this was as much best player available as it was position and need. And those are the exact picks that you want to make. But if he does struggle, I mean, again, because the game is just so much more advanced. He had the two years at Colorado, starters, a freshman and sophomore, you know, even at Oregon, staying within the Pac-12. The level of competition isn't what he would have seen, even in the SEC, where Kayshawn Boutte is a six-round pick. Um, right. Does any of that concern you, just the level of jump? It's not FCS to FBS, <laughs> and the traits are there. But the kid's not even 21 yet.
0: Yeah. I mean, I yeah, I suppose if you're if you're trying to figure out reasons why he could be a surprising Uh, or surprisingly struggle or whatever. Yeah. That's one of them. I think you, you alluded to it. Like he didn't have a, he didn't have an interception before 2022. He did have four this last year, but the ball production has not been consistent. And so, um, you know, he has to prove that number one, that wasn't a fluke this last year that he can find the football, catch the football, um, have the awareness of when to turn his head and all that stuff. Um, I think that's going to be one thing he has to prove, um, you know, he's an aggressive player, so he, he tends to get a little grabby. I think he'll have to, you know, clean that up in terms of like not getting flagged for penalties and things like that at the next level. But um, I don't know. To me, I, I look at him, I'm like, he has every he has the skill set to succeed. And I trust the way that the Patriots coach their their defensive backs. And so I think he landed in a great spot to have his traits and his skill set developed. And, you know, do everything there. So um, I'm pretty confident. I, I, obviously, I had him as a top 10 pick, so I really like him. But, um, yeah, I think he's, you know, he definitely you know, have to clean up some things when you get to the next level, uh, not be grabby, um, prove that he has those ball skills. Um, but, you know, I think overall he has he has all the traits that you really look for at the position.
1: Yeah, there's no consistent, you know, branch of the route tree that's going to give him an issue where he can't run with the nines, the straight vertical routes. Any quick in-breakers, he's got appropriate amount of quickness. He's physical enough at the line. Like, those are fine. And part of me was thinking, as I'm watching this, just going, okay, if he was at Alabama, you put him in a different uniform, does that change the scouting, where it's just kind yeah. of an Oregon kid? There's, totally. like, this West Coast maybe bias that that's a little bit softer. The players are smaller. Like, I've seen it when they do these Big Ten, you know, Pac-12 crossover games, bowl games. Yeah. You just go, that offensive line has 20 pounds on him per person versus, <laughs> you know, pick your Pac-12 team. And then I'm thinking, too, like, his – breakout as a junior maybe this was just his natural progression all along was under dan lanning former defensive coordinator at georgia who brought over a lot of those georgia coaches with him to eugene so not only is he in a pro-style defense under kirby smart of course learned under nick saban and we're getting further and further away here from you know the kevin bacon of college football but the point (laughs) is it's not all that hard to imagine what he would look like with alabama as coaching or an alabama as yeah. system because that's what he did in his best season and we'll be doing here in new england so again yeah, i'm high absolutely. on him I, just like the rest of the rookies my default is i want to see it on the field i think he'll look excellent in the spring when we get a couple of ota practices and then mini camp but the test will be how do you deal with the physicality the nuances of the route running that you're just not going to get in college with smaller route trees and obviously um yep. you know younger more inexperienced type players so yeah. Uh, what was your what was your comp for Christian Gonzalez? Uh,
0: I had AJ Terrell. Terrell. Nice. AJ. How do you pronounce that? AJ Terrell.
1: <laughs> Maybe we should go find that NFC <laughs> uh, South GM who's just hanging out at the bar, yeah, and being I'm a big celeb and asking.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, I don't know. I just think he's got the ability to play both man and zone. I think is yes. is what stood out to me, and his just ability to get into the hip pocket of a receiver and basically run the route for him, sticky in coverage. You know. Absolutely no issue with speed or twitchiness or change of direction, fluidity. Um, you know, I think, you know, if you're looking for like picking nits or whatever, yes, he might be not the most he's he's definitely not Devin Witherspoon in terms of like physicality and all that. <laughs> that um, dog in
1: him, yeah.
0: Right. But I but at the same time, I thought he was he played plenty aggressive. Um, so I yeah, I like everything about him.
1: Yeah. Um one other thing, I just lost it, which is super not helpful in a podcast. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh as far as like him being a week one starter i suppose oh this is it john jones was the patriots number one corner last year and mm-hmm. there's a real question of what position john jones will play this upcoming season and that's a question i don't think the patriots even have it answered even if they have a gut decision because you could put him back home in Nickelback, where he's been very mm-hmm. successful, and start Christian Gonzalez and Jack Jones. You could put him at free safety, where he is going to have the fastest time speed of any of their safeties or corners, has the most experience in the system as the um, longest tenured player in their secondary. So if he bounces back to safety, where they throw him in Nickelback and say, sorry, Marcus Jones, you're just going to have to wait another year, that opens up the spot for Christian Gonzalez. If not, and he stays outside, where he was good, not great a year ago. Then he's got to battle Jack Jones uh, for that spot opposite him. And Gonzalez has the better traits. Um, he's he's much younger, still have more time to be developed. Jack Jones, another one of the oldest prospects in last year's class. Any thoughts there as far as if it comes down to Jack Jones from what you saw from him last year and in Arizona State versus first round pick, Christian Gonzalez walking in here?
0: I mean, yeah, I don't know. Honestly, they're it's they're very different, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I I would tend to lean that Christian Gonzalez would be the guy to go with there. Um, I didn't, I didn't watch a ton of uh, Jack Jones to be totally honest last year. So I, I don't have like a in-depth scouting report to offer, but, um, but yeah, I would say just Christian Gonzalez, like size, speed, length um, kind of has Jack Jones beat in those categories. So I would probably yeah. lean that direction.
1: Look, a lot of people didn't watch Jack Jones last year because he was supposed to go in the seventh round or undrafted. And the Patriots right. said, oh, no. And it seems like at least the start of his career, mind you, he ended the season on the suspended list, um, that they were right because he was exceptionally talented, a couple of picks, both mm-hmm. excellent interceptions as far as you know the, the read on the play, break on the ball, ball skills, uh, another man cover corner, a little bit lighter. Um, but we'll see because I think part of the reason that you look at that corner depth, it's not only, okay, all of them are 5'9", or 5'10", or shorter, uh, but I don't know if you can entirely rely on a guy like Jack Jones uh, long-term. So Christian Gonzalez is here. Expect him to start, whether it's week one or not. He should be at some point here in his rookie year. All right, on to the mailbag. You were not prepared for these, though. I, I told oh, wow. You, mailbag. Bag yeah mailbag real quick uh to have a mac take there's always a mac question long term there's been a lot of turmoil i've said multiple times on this podcast i want to put it behind us but now i'm going to put it in your lap so this is a hybrid question from okay. uh, kamal and Fuad who basically want to know do you think mac jones will be the patriots quarterback beyond this season and if not uh where do they go from there <laughs> see now oh, you get to man. suffer because no yeah. look, the, the answer is no one knows the patriots right. don't know mac jones doesn't know but if right. you had to guess danny kelly
0: Um, I think that yes, he'll be the starter after this year. I think I'm like predicting a bounce back season for him this year. I think Bill, Bill O'Brien is going to be immensely helpful, uh, for that. I think that the weapons around him are going to be significantly upgraded. Um, and so I could see him getting back on track, you know, to me, like, honestly, if you look at last year and you know no offense, of course, to Bill Belichick, who's the greatest football coach of all time, but like they did not put him in a good situation with Matt Patricia no, no. as the offensive coordinator. Like we could see that immediately. That was the most obvious thing. Um, and so, you know, to me, there you can't ignore the fact that that was what happened. That literally happened. They had a guy who was largely a defensive coordinator uh, come in and be the offensive coordinator or whatever, you know, just the way that they went about that with Joe Judge, um, you know, it just didn't make any sense. And so... It was not surprising to see him struggle, and I think this year we'll kind of get back to what we saw more closely to, to, to Mac as a rookie. Um, that being said, you know, everything you hear, again, people talk at the Senior Bowl, at the Combine, uh, wherever, you know, there is rumblings that the the team doesn't really like Mac Jones. So, you know, I don't know where that's going to go. Um, I don't know if they have other options. If they find another option, maybe they will go that route. I still – Bailey Zappi still kind of hanging around and um, is probably going to challenge him a little bit in, in training camp and in the offseason. But um, if I had to guess, like the odds are, I think Mac Jones will continue to be the starter. But, again, it wouldn't really surprise me if he isn't either.
1: Let me uh... – <laughs> That's you dumping it back into my lap. <laughs>
0: oh yeah, yeah, I don't know.
1: We'll see. Follow not me for the answer. Uh, it's. Did d- you hear of anything called Zappy Fever all the way out there in Seattle? <laughs> A
0: little bit, yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. I didn't. Know I mean, I, was- I do
0: know. Like when I was watching games, it felt like the fans really wanted Zappy to be playing and not Mac Jones, which I thought was wild. I'm like, I, I remember like texting Bill, being like. How have Patriots fans already given up on this guy after having such an incredible rookie season? Yeah. Um, I thought that was a little bizarre, but it, it is what happened. I feel like.
1: Yeah, it was uh, it was a a fun period just having a name, a kind of gimmick in what was otherwise a miserable season. And even directly yeah. asking Bailey as I did, like, have you heard of this thing called Zappy Fever, which I didn't know if it was just like midday radio talk fodder, but it's on Twitter. Let's see if he reacts. And he said no, but he was smiling, and he. Goes, Bailey, you're smiling. He's like, okay, maybe, maybe a little bit. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't want to get He's searching
0: his a... name on Twitter. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. But I, uh, I'll i just say this. I, I, I think your point about what are their options next year is the most important question about this whole thing because we could talk about the rookie contracts and the benefit of having extra money to put it on the roster. They've had that now for two and a half seasons. You look at the roster, it's still about average, I think, relative to the rest of the league. I think it's very solid. It's one of the most well-rounded rosters in the entire league. But ultimately, if they can upgrade... At the right price, they'll do it. If they can't, yep. they won't. How many upgrades are there available over Mac Jones? Well, you're talking about the 10, 12, 14 best quarterbacks in the league. Teams just don't get rid of them. Okay. Right. So that that's where I end up. That's what I said all this offseason. That's where I'll be on next year. All right. Two quick ones. We kind of already answered this. Jordan asked can Mapu function as a linebacker at the NFL level slash in this defense at his current size? You and I both say basically in dime packages, sure. I mean, Mac Wilson yeah. was there. Granted, Mac Wilson is two inches shorter and seven to nine pounds heavier at 61230. Um, but yes, I mean, he 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 I think it would just be a matter of health because he's playing a lot more games against heavier, faster, more explosive players, obviously, than right. he was in Sacramento State. But in a specialized role, yes. Is Juwan Bentley two down thumper?
0: No. Right. Exactly. Cosine.
1: All right. Uh one that is. Probably beyond both of our purviews, but it's an interesting conversation. Gary wants to know which 2020 draft class member, Duggar, Uche, or Mike Onwenu, is most likely to sign an extension before the season. Um, then he has his own commentary, which I'm not going to add because this podcast is for my commentary, my guest commentary. But I, I will tell you this is interesting because... I know Duggar expressed an interest in changing agents this offseason. That's not something I've reported Mm. or written because the agent change has not happened. But clearly he has his eye on an extension and I think should. He's a guy who came into the league a little bit older uh, than most as a prospect and has proven that he can hang and play a lot of different um, positions and and fill a lot of different roles. So my answer would either be Duggar if he really wants to stay Mm -hmm. or on Wenu because I look at Josh Uche playing a premium position. With 13 or 14, whatever, however many sacks it was last year, half of them against the Colts and Cardinals. Basically, um, <laughs> there are a lot of teams Who's that will counting? pay for yeah. that th- those amount of sacks, and that that I think is going to price the Patriots out ultimately. Who knows? This is still nine, ten months away, but that my answers would be on and who probably in that order.
0: Yeah, I, I was gonna, I that was my answer. You stole my answer. I was gonna say Uche sacks getting paid. That's yeah. like you make you make sacks, you get a lot of money, and so. You know, if he can kind of follow up with what he did last year, um, this year, and, and kind of get those numbers up again. I Maybe he won't match what he did last year, but, you know, have a solid number of sacks. He's going to be, a lot of teams are going to be very interested in that. So I'd say he's the most likely to leave just because, you know, like I said, the, those, the sacks above anything really, other than maybe like touchdowns, like that translates to money, you know, in free agency. So uh, that could be a reason that he leaves. You
1: want him in Seattle? Noted Seahawks fan Danny Kelly?
0: I liked him coming out, man. I mean, he's a little undersized. We yep. uh the Seahawks drafted a guy kind of similar in style to him in uh, Derek Hall this this Robert. in this draft. Um kind of like a hard charging undersized. well, not super undersized, but like a little undersized. He's not quite as small as Uche in terms of height, but um a little undersized, a little under height, but hard charging, super twitchy athletic guy. Um has some you know similarities to Uche. But I liked him coming out. I you know, I thought he would be the type of guy who could come in and be a rotational player in the pass rush and kind of do what he does.
1: We're really coming full circle here because he was also someone that people sat in the stands in rainy or 80 degree mobile and watched at the Senior Bowl, where he was coming off the edge, twitchy as all hell as he still is right now, play a little bit off the ball, which I know helps sell the Patriots during that process, uh, in addition to playing a couple different roles at Michigan, but didn't play more than 52% of the snaps in a the season there, has yet to eclipse 40% yeah. here, and I think has his role as a situational pass rusher, which very important those de- those, those downs of situations or high leverage situations uh that mean a little bit more than second and eight where he's not playing. But ultimately, I think it's just it's just not high enough to retain him. But we'll see. I, yeah. I will say this: my my official stance is the Patriots should be interested in retaining all of them. They need to keep all of the young talent they can in their building. And that 2020 class looks better by the year, and it's because of those three guys. So that's it. Any uh, a final take Patriots related thought we could do a big season prediction or just, I like this player. They didn't grab this guy.
0: <laughs> um, let me see here. I don't know. Tell me, give me the fantasy take on, uh, on the, on the Patriots this year. Like who's going to be, you think Juju Smith Schuster's there. Oh, actually, let me, let me ask you this. Yeah. Is there any world in which Tyquan Thornton is, is actually productive next year? Because I, uh, I kind of liked him coming in. I did not think he was going to be a second round pick, but I I did like him super fast. And he flashed a little bit in the early part of the year.
1: I uh, I think there's a world that exists. I might need to check with one Kane the Conqueror to find out uh, <laughs> for the Marvel fans out there. But I, here's the the most important part about that. He'll get his opportunity. You know, they mm-hmm. traded up. For this guy it wasn't just that he was a second round pick they traded up to go get him and see something in mm. Taequann Thornton who got a ton of snaps last year will have even more this year if he earns them and had a good camp it wasn't great I, I was very patient with Taekwon Thornton when everyone was so excited because you know again part of the Patriot watching experience is you get to feel like a beat dog at certain positions where athletic linebackers really stand out you're like Raquan McMillan's got an average speed and athleticism Taequann Thornton's speed is out of this world compared to almost anybody I just Want to see a little bit more well-rounded game. The details of his routes were better where there was a touchdown he missed by two yards because he cut off his route just shy Mm -hmm. of the goal line. And a couple games later, I can't remember the exact game because that Arizona game was in December, ran the same route, proper depth, scored. Like those improvements are there. I just, you need to see more consistency. um, Yeah. Yeah, there's a world, but he... Fantasy wise, very, very late round flyer kind of like took right. ticket.
0: Right. Um, well, I'm talking more like dynasty, but yeah, not
1: dynasty, yeah, sure. I mean, what yeah. the hell? I mean, you know. <laughs> I mean if you're someone who took a, a a a pick on Nikhil Harry, like you you can afford to, you know, invest in the Taekwondo sure. experience for a little longer.
0: Yeah. All right, cool.
1: Yeah, you're good. All right, Danny Kelly, thank you for your time. Good luck in hibernation. I hope you enjoy a nice <laughs> long vacation. We get to do this uh sooner than next year's draft and hopefully see you yeah. along the way. Pats and Seahawks don't play. But um, you know, you're you're around. You do excellent work on the draft and fantasy. It's a blast to listen to you, read your work. And uh this is this is one of the most fun episodes I've had in a long time. So I appreciate you,
0: buddy. Well, I thank you very much for all the kind things you said about the draft work. And yeah, anytime, man. Let's talk soon.
1: You got it.